Illumio is a leader in security segmentation. Prevent the spread of breaches and meet regulatory compliance requirements inside your data center and in the cloud. Find out more at Illumio.com. Grow your IT career with online IT training from Full Stack Journey sponsor, IT Pro TV. Just for you listening, there is a special offer, a seven-day free trial and discount of 30% off all plans. Visit itpro.tv slash full for seven days free and 30% off. Use promo code full at checkout. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Welcome back to the Full Stack Journey podcast, where we talk about the ongoing evolution of the IT professional. I'm your host, Scott Lowe. I want to take a moment and just tell you, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us uh, and uh, listening to the show. My goal today with the podcast is to help equip and prepare listeners for their journey of learning across the full stack of technologies that are present in today's data centers and in public and private cloud environments. Joining me today is Lauren Malhoit, and we're going to talk about a couple of different things, actually, not only some career switching stuff, but also talking about leadership and uh, some topics surrounding that. So hi, Lauren, how are you? I'm doing well, Scott. How are you doing? I am doing well, thank you. It is a beautiful day here in Denver, despite the uh, the addition of some snow on the ground last night, some unexpected snow on the ground last night, but otherwise, it's a beautiful sunny day. <laughs> well, that's the opposite of what I'm looking at in Indy, but uh, you know, it's, it's a good day to be alive, right? Amen to that. Absolutely. You got it. So, um, Lauren, uh, you know, I know you and I have kind of run into each other at various times over, I don't know, probably the last decade or more, right? But, uh, you know, tell me and tell the listeners a little more about yourself. I don't know that you and I have ever had the chance to really uh, connect in any, any meaningful way. Yeah, absolutely. So, yes, probably over the last decade, at least um, for the le- for the first dozen years, I guess, of my career, um, I was more on the uh, the systems engineer side, working for customers and uh, channel partners, doing post sales and pre sales. Um, always, usually in the data center, that was kind of my my niche, my forte. Um, and then I I made the switch to. Uh, dark side of the vendor world for Cisco for a few years, where my role definitely changed a lot. And now I've just fully accepted that I'm in marketing at uh, Juniper in enterprise, of course. Awesome. That's a, that's a very exciting journey. Um, <laughs> lots, of, lots, of, uh, lots of things to, to talk about there. Um, where can people find you online? And we'll revisit this again at the end of the show. So listeners, you know, don't worry, it'll be linked in the show notes and all that. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Uh, I'll make it easy. Just at Malhoy on Twitter. Um, And you can always check out the Tech Village podcast with my co-hosts, Yadine Porter de Leon and Matt Oswalt. Ah, excellent. Both individuals who I know well. So very good. Yeah. And Matt was our (laughs) early guest on the show, if I recall correctly. I believe it. He's always beating me to things. (laughs) Well, you know, that kind of is Matt in a lot of ways. So, you know, (laughs) um, beating people to things. So, um, So, you know, looking at the early part of your career, you know, you spent some time in, uh, you know, sort of the systems engineer role in the data centers, and then you moved into some networking stuff in the middle, and then now on marketing, Um, you know, given that the show talks a lot about sort of career transitions and how how to equip listeners for career transitions, because I believe that as IT professionals, we are all going through this, this long term career transition where we have to constantly reinvent ourselves and, and constantly challenge the, the knowledge that we have with new knowledge and new information and new platforms and new products. Um, 
I was just wondering, you know, like what are some lessons maybe you've learned along the way that you think might be useful to uh, listeners? And you can, you know, break that down by, you know, transition if you want. Like, here's what I learned when I did this, or you could just kind of, you know, in general, here's what I've learned over my vast years of experience. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, it's interesting to break it down by early in career and whatever stage I'm at in my career now. Um, you know, I think early in career, you can get that analysis paralysis and that that real fear of moving to something else or taking on more responsibility. Um, and I, I don't necessarily have tips and tricks on how to get over that other than to just do it and say it gets easier over time or you just, you know, get older and get used to it. Um, but I do think there's a real advantage to people who do go ahead and, and change things up. Um, and those could be small changes, right? So when I started out, I started in help desk and, you know, the big motivation for me to get out of help desk was just, I didn't want to help people anymore, <laughs> at least not in, in that context, right? I didn't want to be, um, constantly dealing with support tickets and doing that. So I wanted to get more into the, the systems engineer side rather than helping people with their outlook or something like that. Um, so, you know, you go ahead and you, you figure that out. You ask your boss questions, you maybe do certifications, you do everything you can to get into that world, um, making friends, doing all the networking and, you know, I think that shows employers or potential employers a lot of things. One, that you're capable, that you're proving to them that you can take on new roles and not everything's going to be perfect when you do it. There's always a big learning curve, um, but but you're willing to do it. And I think that shows a lot. And the second thing I think it shows is that you proved to yourself that you're capable of doing it. And I think that's really important because if you can't prove it to yourself, you might end up stuck somewhere that you don't want to be. Now, now, if you like to be in the same spot, you know, that's okay too. That's a decision you just have to figure out, but you're never going to know if you don't try. Yeah. That point about not knowing if you don't try is an important one because, you know, while it seems obvious in retrospect, it, it isn't always obvious in looking ahead that you won't have a full grasp of your own capabilities or how, how your own knowledge can be stretched unless you actually do try to stretch those abilities or that knowledge um, by doing new things, whether it's new things in your existing job um, or new things in a new job with a new organization. Yeah, you know, I actually, I was thinking about this uh, prior to the show and just, you know, what's something I didn't realize that I actually just love doing, which is, you know, 50% of the audience might appreciate this, the other 50% will balk at it, but I love giving presentations. I love standing up in front of people or in front of a camera and, you know, kind of nailing that presentation. It's not something that I thought I would love doing. Uh, I didn't know about it until I just had to do one. Um, and then even that, it's kind of like you're a comedian working out your set, you know, you have to give it several times before you figure out your audience and, and how to do those things. So, you know, some of those things, and I hate to call them soft skills, but some of those things that you can do right now in your current position that uh, may serve you well a decade later. Yeah, uh, you're, you're absolutely right. And it's actually a good thing that you, um, that you told me that because now I can ping you for a separate podcast episode, helping people overcome their fear of public speaking. <laughs> I'm happy to do it. <laughs> All right. Awesome. We'll get it on the books. So I was wondering, like, um, out, out of the sort of, as I understand it, sort of two major shifts that you've made from, you know, sort of like virtualization data center stuff to more of a networking focus, um, and then from that networking focus now into marketing, although still in the networking sort of industry, 
Which did you find more difficult and why? Yeah, that is actually uh, <laughs> a tough question. Different, you know, like everything, it depends. Definitely going from a, I would say the, you know, customer partner world is different than the vendor world. And that's been articulated over and over again. I think people kind of understand that, but it is uh, an interesting switch. Um, it's also an interesting switch because I went from, you know, working in an office to working from home 2,000 miles away from headquarters. I also went from never getting on a plane <laughs> to getting on a plane three weeks a month and then just a totally different role from, you know, implementations or or maybe a little bit of architecting to more of a, I did technical marketing, but I've created a lot of content rather than, you know, getting my hands on all of the the cool stuff, really. So that was an interesting move. And as you said, moving actually from VMware, from virtualization to more of an SDN role in networking, that that was huge for me too, because, you know, I knew IP addresses, I knew some light subnetting and things like that. But I, I would say that I was not an expert in networking by any means. I'm not sure I am now. I, mean, I know a lot more about SDN, that's for sure. But there were difficulties to that, uh, just technologically. How do I even learn this information? I'm going to work at Cisco. It's huge. It's full of all of these brilliant people, um, these people that have been doing networking for decades. And I'm supposed to go in and, and tell everyone, yeah, no, I'm an expert in uh, SDN. No, no worries. And of course, that's scary. The transition between moving from kind of that more technical role to, well, I did TechWise TV for a little while with Cisco as well. So that was actually moving from building content to being the talent in front of the camera. I actually didn't find that that difficult. I had been kind of preparing for that all along the way in my three years, you know, in the role three years prior at Cisco. That wasn't too difficult, but I still got to be technical. I still got to touch things. I still got to, you know, get my eyes on, on all of the stuff. Whereas now, making that transition uh, from Cisco to Juniper, I, I took on a, a marketing role. I mean, I'm not in a BU. I'm, I'm in product marketing now, um, and I'm actually on the go-to-market side. I'm creating campaigns. I'm, I'm doing real marketing stuff and kind of learning all about that. So the transition there was difficult just because I'm not an engineer anymore. You know what I mean? It, I have to say that I'm in marketing. I, I can't even pretend anymore. So, so personally, um, emotionally, maybe that was a little difficult for me, but I, I'm embracing it as well because I guess I'm looking at it as a different type of engineer. It's, it's interesting to me how we as, as engineers or architects or, you know, whatever term we want to use, and we, mm -hmm. we, we describe ourselves as, you know, technical individuals and we, we take pride in that, in that technical talent, right? You know, that's like a, a thing that defines us. And then uh, we move into other roles um, like yours, where you're now, you know, uh, as you mentioned, doing, you know, sort of full on marketing, right? And there's a piece of us that is, uh, you know, somehow lamenting that we are, are no longer, you know, technical, right? Even though we are embracing new skills and learning new things and becoming valuable to our employers and to future employers in other ways. It was interesting to me, though, I think one thing that really stood out for me, I've had lots of impactful things shared with me by, by guests, um, which is one of the awesome things about being a podcast host, and you can probably appreciate that as well. But one of the things that was shared with me recently by uh, Matt Broberg, who appeared on the show a few episodes ago, 
is that um, he was talking about, uh, you know, his shift into a role that wasn't quite as hands-on. And I asked about that and he's like, you know, your hands-on time is something, you know, you control, you define that, right? If, if, if being hands-on with technology is important to you, then, you know, you can make the time for that, you know, either in your current role or outside of your role, right? To, to do that. And so there might be guests who here, you know, listeners who are um, thinking about, you know, hey, I, I'm, I have this opportunity to go into, you know, a technical marketing role or, or a product marketing role or, or whatever the case may be and worried about that. But, you know, I think there's, in my mind, and, and the long-winded answer to kind of respond to you is there's other things to be learned that our value isn't just in our technical skills and that if, if the technical skills remain personally important to you for whatever reason, um, there are still ways to address that even when you are not in a purely technical job role. Oh, I, I totally agree with you. And and honestly, I've had the best leadership um, over the past couple of years. And, and they ask me, are you okay letting go of some of the technical at work? And I could have said, no, I want to remain doing a, a role like I was brought in to do. Uh, so my role has already changed in the last uh, over a year and a half, I guess now, um, to more of the marketing transition, because that's what I wanted. It's still, you know, it's things a little bit, but that is what I wanted. And and yeah, I totally take your point about, you know, you can always do it at home, at, you know, after hours. Yeah. You know, there's always that home lab, right? That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, you mentioned, um, uh, you know, good leadership, and right? I just, I think is, is an interesting thing because, you know, so much of our job experience is dictated by our leadership, right? And, um, you know, you mentioned when we were preparing for the show that, um, you know, one of the things you were kind of looking at was driving towards a leadership position, you know, kind of gathering the skills necessary to be in a leadership position. And I wondered if you wanted to just kind of share a little bit about that and a little bit of your thoughts on that. And I'd also like to just chat a little bit about, you know, just for the sake of making sure that listeners understand, I think I have a good distinction of it, but sort of the difference between leadership and management, because I think they are distinctly different. Yeah, totally agree. To kind of tie in, first of all, the, the first part of our conversation, I think that it's important to have gotten a lot of these different skills and, and you know, done some transitioning before you really even start thinking about becoming a leader, working with different teams, working with different leaders. Uh, to me, that is very important. We're pausing the conversation for a brief word about today's sponsor, Illumio. Organizations use Illumio to stop lateral movement everywhere. With Illumio, you get a single platform for visibility and control across any data center and the cloud. Illumio stops lateral movement using its Adaptive Security Platform, or ASP. With ASP, you can see how your applications communicate, get insights into vulnerability exposures, and then take control. Illumio helps you create security segmentation policies that work on bare metal, virtual machines, and containers. Seamlessly protect workloads wherever they go, however your business grows. Achieve regulatory compliance, securely migrate applications to the cloud, and overcome data center and cloud security challenges. Find out more at Illumio.com. That's Illumio.com. And now, back to the podcast. To address your question of you know management versus leadership, I do think... You know, we grow up with this sense of we watch TV shows and we see people go ask for promotions and and how they deserve it because they've really, you know, worked hard and and they have shown up every day and, and they've done their job. 
that is, I think, a very poor way of looking at it. And that's how I looked at it for a long time. And, and I think maybe even, you know, decades ago, that's how perhaps things ran was just, you put in your time, you climb the ladder and, you know, you get promoted over and over. And there's not much thought to being a leader. Rather, you're just a manager now because that's just the direction your career needed to go. A leader to me, um, will actually go beyond that. I think there are two things to being a leader, essentially. And I didn't make this up. You know, this is a lot of me talking to my mentors and my leadership and, and things like that. But the two things are essentially, you need to work on your leadership skills when you don't have that in your title. So if I'm not, you know, a, a people director, or people manager, um, I can still work on my leadership skills. I can figure out how to motivate teams, figure out how to motivate cross-functional teams, my own teams. Um, and it's a lot harder to do when you can't just hand down directives. And I think that's a really important skill to develop and, and something that has been difficult for me, honestly, um, because I, I haven't really been a part of a team perhaps my whole career. Uh, so just getting used to being on a team was, was interesting to me. And then figuring out how to motivate those people to want to help me or work with me uh, to get things done and to do cool new stuff. That's definitely been a, a learning curve for me and something I really enjoy working on. And there are, you know, I think it's a muscle that we just have to work out and, and like anything. The second thing is I think you need to actually hone your skills, essentially. You need to become an expert in something. Now, here's the thing about that. If you stand in, you know, your college graduation, you hear like a commencement speech or, or any speech where people are trying to inspire, a lot of times you just hear, you know, go find your passion and go after it and the world will open up to you. Um, I don't think that's true. And I'm not saying don't follow your passions or don't go after things you're passionate about, but I don't think that's all there is to it. I think you have to actually find a gap. You have to find things that are necessary um, that aren't being fulfilled right now or aren't being fulfilled in the best way possible. And that's how you actually maybe get promoted or become, you know, a thought leader, excuse the terminology, but, um, you know, things like that. It's not as easy as just following your passion and putting in some extra hours at work. Yeah. So you made uh, a whole bevy of really good points there. Um, most of which I'm probably not going to remember all of them, but, <laughs> but there were a couple that really stood out to me. So one, you know, the comment about, um, you know, sort of the difference between, you know, leadership and management I mean that you know management is it's 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 a matter of an organizational chart, right? And leadership isn't necessarily a management of an organizational chart. The other part of that too is you know working on working on those skills, working on those leadership skills, even when you're when you're not in that you know official sort of leadership position. And I wonder, you know, does anything? I want to I want to come back to your to the second point in a minute about mm -hmm. um, you know find it following your passion because that's a that's a like a trigger button for me when I talk to young people starting their career. Um, but, but before we go there, I just wondered, you know, what are some, I'm all about practical like things that the listeners can take away. Right. So I wonder if, are there some practical things that you can think of? You mentioned a couple like motivating people or helping, you know, drive teams, things that people can do in their role right now that might be demonstrating leadership. Like what, what could a listener take away from this podcast and say, you know, that's something I could do in my job right now, even though I'm not a manager that would demonstrate my ability to be a leader? 
honestly, I think the very first thing you have to do is start listening. I, I know that sounds corny, but if you just start listening to people, that is maybe half the battle. For example, I am a person that that's just straight to the point, you know, not in this podcast, maybe, but at work, I'm fairly concise. I know what I want to say. I get it out and I'm like, let's go, let's go do it. Uh, unfortunately, or, or fortunately, perhaps, that's not how everyone is. People want to ask a lot of questions before they just go out and do it. They want to know the reasons why you're going out to do something. There are a whole bevy of different personalities out there uh, that you have to think about. And so for me, uh, a lesson I had actually working with uh, uh, one of my coworkers is he he pulled me aside and he said, you know, I, I am I need to be very accurate. I need things to be, um, you know, put in on a schedule or put in a process and I need to understand everything around it. So what I realized is if I had included the team in the planning portion rather than the execution portion, um, that all would have gone a lot better. That whole project would have just, it may not have gone perfectly, but we would have been off to a way better start than where I started it, which was an execution. And actually there's a book I'll mention later, but uh, it's called Blue Ocean Strategy. And, and they talk all about fair process and how you um, get people to buy in before execution, because it just reduces the amount of hurdles you're going to have to overcome. So that would be my first step is just to start listening to people and, and really observe, pay attention to how different people work and how you might work with them. And I'm not saying you have to go, everyone has to take the Myers-Briggs or whatever personality tests are, you know, working today or whatever. Um, but just pay attention. Well, certainly paying attention is something we can all do in our job. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, but pay attention to the people. Right, of course, of course. Pay attention to people, listen to people. Um, you know, and your story about a coworker coming to you and sort of giving you that feedback really resonates with me because I remember in, in sort of my own journey, um, this this was a number of years ago uh, while I was working at EMC and I had a coworker come to me and he said, you know, for the longest time, I thought you were just a total jerk. <laughs> um, now... We had worked together, you know, pretty fair amount of time. So he had, you know, the kind of the personal leeway to tell me that and he used a different term, but this podcast is rated as clean. So I can't, I can't use that term. Um, fair enough. And he knows who he is. And, and I do appreciate his feedback. I told him that. And, and so I was like, really? I was like, well, I, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm kind of totally taken aback. Like I've, I've never had anybody tell me that before. And, um, and he said, but I, now that I've gotten to know you, I know that that's not how you are. You're just like super focused. Um, and when you're working on something, you're like, you're working on something. And he proceeds to tell me a story about how he met me at a conference. And I was, you know, this was probably 2008, 2009, something like that. And I was, I was blogging at the conference and I was just super focused on getting this, you know, live blog of some session I'd done. And he came up and started talking to me and I was like, Hey, how's it going? And I just kind of kept working. Right. And that came, that of course came across like, you know, poorly. <laughs> um, and <laughs> And, and so he, you know, he shared this with me some years later and I, and I, I, of course I was like, man, I'm so sorry. And he's like, no, no. He's like, you don't need to apologize. He just, he said, like, now that I know you, I know that that's just like, you're intense, you're focused, you're like really into what you're doing. Right. And he said, and I, and, and once I learned that, once I saw that that was your thing, then I knew that that's, that's just how you are. And you weren't trying to be a jerk or, or rude or anything like that. But, um, I really took his words to heart and I made it a point that when I was, at a conference or at an event where people might want to speak to me, 
that if they did come up and start speaking, that I would, I would close my laptop and turn and look at them and, and, and like fully engage with that person so that they had my attention, so that they knew that I was, as you point out, paying attention, listening to what they had to say. And, and so I'm very thankful for that feedback because it made a difference, right? And same for you, like your, that feedback from that coworker really made a difference in sort of how you approach a project. Yeah, I, I really like that you said, you know, how you changed then too, uh, because, you know, not to therapize everyone, but but we can't change other people. We can't change their personalities. All we can do is figure out how to work with them and, and change our own outlook on things. So, you know, I think essentially people might be much happier as well. And I'm not saying everyone's going to be the best of friends, but it might make everything go a little smoother. Yeah, yeah, totally. Now, moving from there to, to kind of your sec, one of your other points, well, it wasn't your second point, but it's the second one I'm going to mention. And that was this whole, you know, follow your passion thing. And um, I read a book. This is an older book now. And I'm looking at behind, underneath my monitor at my book over on the bookshelf. And I'm pretty sure this is the one. Um, but it's, uh, it's by Cal Newport, um, who, if you've read any sort of self-improvement or um, books, anything like that. You've probably read his stuff. Uh, I think his most recent book is Deep Work, which I still have on my shelf and I haven't read yet. But this one was uh, so good they can't ignore you. And if my memory serves correctly, this one really talked about sort of how you build your dream career, right? Um, how you build uh, a career where you have that job that you want and you are um, meeting the uh, the goals that you set for yourself, whether those goals are financial or otherwise, whatever that case may be. Um, and the, the basic gist of it was, it's not about following your passion. Like following your passion doesn't get you there. It's about investing in the hard work and doing the necessary things to make yourself a, an expert in these things. And then instead of sort of landing the dream job, right, that you think you want, you end up creating that dream job out of your own hard work, out of your own investment in your expertise and your commitment to excellence and your commitment to your hard work and all of that, that these, the, you end up you know, opening these doors that may not have even existed until you, you know, made that effort, right? Um, and that's one that I've shared with uh, my kids as they come out of college. Um, but I think it really kind of speaks to your point, And that is that, you know, you can't just, you can't just show up and expect that, you know, hey, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to become a leader just because, you know, look at me, I'm, I'm so great. No, like you have to, you have to get in there and, and do the hard work. You have to get in there and, and make the investments. You have to do the things that need to be done, um, invest the time, invest the resources, whatever, in order to prove that you are worthy of, of then moving into a role where others will look to you for guidance and direction um, and leadership. You know, Scott, this strikes me just because, you know, I've followed your career for a while and and I know you've just been involved in a lot of different technologies and, and usually you're kind of on the cutting edge. And I'm curious, you know, can you give us more context into that? Do you have you taken that book to heart? Have you created your own career? I mean, from the outside looking in, it it sure looks like it. Uh, but I'm just curious what what your thoughts are around kind of that that moving and and staying ahead of things and, and really going the extra mile. It's an interesting question because sort of the genesis of this podcast um, to talk about how we have to embrace change in our technology careers because technology is constantly changing. And I think we, we can all recognize it and agree that, you know, like technology is not going to just suddenly stop innovating. You know, it's just not going to happen, right? 
And if we are technology professionals, then even though it may not be, you know, officially mandated for us to get this, this idea of, you know, continuing education or CE credits as it is in some industries, but essentially that's what we have to do. We have to constantly be educating ourselves. We have to constantly be, be learning. We have to constantly be reinventing our skill sets because the technology that we are working with is constantly changing and constantly reinventing itself, you know, from, you know, bare metal to virtualization to, you know, containers to, you know, cloud. I mean, like these, these shifts come and we have to, we have to learn them. We have to embrace them. We have to incorporate them into our skill set, and then go on from there. So in many ways, this, this podcast was sort of informed by what I saw as a need for IT professionals everywhere to sort of embrace that. Um, it was informed by my own, you know, experience reading that book and kind of looking at it and saying, uh, you know, wow, okay, yeah, that's absolutely correct. I don't know that I've hit my my dream job yet. I do enjoy what I'm doing. And I guess that's the most important thing. And um, what I'm doing allows me to meet other goals in my life in terms of the amount of time I spend working and the amount of time I can spend with my family and the amount of time I can invest in other things that bring me joy and satisfaction. But but yeah, I, I mean, I very much have taken to heart the the advice there about just you know, investing in an area of expertise uh, and and doing what you can to, I, I don't like the term expert, but do what you can to prove yourself as a, a knowledgeable individual there. And then, and then, and then watching for sort of adjacencies, right? What are, what are these things that are happening in areas right next to where you are? And how does that, how can you build on what you've done to then um, move into that adjacency and, and use that in some fashion to either open new opportunities and new doors or to expand your influence, whatever the case may be. So I don't know if that answers your question, but there you go. Aiding your journey to becoming a full stack engineer is full stack journey sponsor, IT Pro TV. Going full stack is partly about career growth, right? And online IT training from IT Pro TV, that can help you grow. And they can help you, the savvy Full Stack Journey listener, grow at a 30% discount off of all IT Pro TV plans. More on that in a minute. A recent MIT study found that IT occupations have grown by 19.5% between 2004 and 2019. Compared to other jobs, that's more than eight times the growth over the past decade. That's right, earnings have grown significantly for individuals working in IT. So if you're in IT, you've picked the right gig. But don't set your career on cruise control thinking, eh, it's all good. Change is the norm as evidenced by the full stack movement, right? And to keep earning that big paycheck, you need to keep your skills up. IT Pro TV has you covered from CompTIA and Cisco to EC Council and Microsoft and many more vendors, more than 4,000 hours of on-demand training. Engaging hosts present information in a talk show format and they're live every day. And shows go from that live studio to the web in 24 hours so that you can stream them. Courses are conveniently listed by category, certification, and job role, and you can stream those courses live and on-demand worldwide via Chromecast, Roku, Apple TV, PC, or their iOS or Android apps. Learn IT, pass your certs, and land that fancy new full-stack job you've had your eye on with IT Pro TV. Visit itpro.tv slash full for a seven-day free trial and 30% off all plans. Use promo code FULL at checkout. That's itpro.tv slash full and use promo code full at checkout. One more time, itpro.tv 
twitch.tv slash full and use promo code full at checkout to try it free for seven days and save 30% off all plans. And now back to today's discussion. Yeah, I, I like that adjacencies to kind of fill the gap almost. Yeah, uh, and I think the, the, the term thinking about adjacencies is actually something that did come from from the book. And, and um, I don't remember the specific example, but they talk about several examples of folks who had spent years working in a particular career, um, building out expertise, um, that sort of thing. And, you know, the opportunity opened up for them to do something very amazing in sort of one of these adjacent areas where they could where they could both grow into this area, but also build on their existing expertise and, and experience. So yeah, I, 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 I want to, I'll put the, the link to the book. I don't even know if it's still in print uh, in, if I can find it in the show notes. Um, but I do highly, highly recommend the book. I, I very much enjoyed it. And uh, I need to get through my pile of books so I can get to Cal's next book, um, which I'm also looking forward to. And that's the, the deep work. What about you, Lauren? I mean, like, what has been your experience in that sort of, you know, finding the, you know, like the standing in the gap, sort of speak, you know, like finding a place where you can be, you know, if you don't want to call yourself an expert, finding a place where you can be a knowledgeable, you know, individual. Yeah, I, and you're right. I mean, experts, that's a, a hard word to use. <laughs> it's uh, subjective. And and yeah, it's it's mostly just a shortcut word because what else are you going to call it? Um, but yeah, I, I think you know, when people think about finding the gap, they're thinking of, you know, startups or entrepreneurs or, or Steve Jobs, and they think they have to find, they have to develop a new iPhone or something, you know, the next iPhone or, or something along those lines. And I, I think it can be much smaller, you know, alluding to what you were just kind of talking about, using those adjacencies to build into a new um, career or a new role or, or what have you. Um, I think if we start thinking more on a micro level of, what is the gap here? Maybe it's the gap in your team. Maybe it's, you know, a process that that hasn't been perfected, or maybe you're just constantly complaining about something and you're not doing the thing to find the solution. And probably a lot of other people are, are having problems with that too. Um, so, you know, I, I think that if we start thinking about it in smaller terms, it's uh, a much easier pill to swallow. Yeah, I definitely think that sometimes we we make things more complicated because we look for this big, massive thing where we can do. And uh, I'm, I'm guilty of this just as anybody else is. And I'll share an example in just a moment. But really, we can, we can um, make more progress by focusing on a more uh, finite sort of gap that we can fill, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so the, the example I, I wanted to, I wanted to share with, with listeners real quick is like more than a couple of years ago, I, I started focusing more on Docker and containers and Kubernetes and, and that whole space. Right. And then did it like, you know, full on when I left VMware back in 2018 to go to work for Heptio. Um, and, and so I thought, okay, you know, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be, um, I'm going to learn all there is to learn about Kubernetes. Right. And and then I'm gonna, and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a difference. I'm gonna go document some stuff for folks, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um, you know, make a difference. I'm gonna help other people who might follow in my footsteps do the same thing, right? And uh, and what I quickly discovered is that there's there's so much there that that's that's an example of taking on you know one of these macro you know goals, right? It's just it's too much. Like you might get there eventually, right? I probably will get there eventually, um, but in the meantime, I found. 
a much smaller place. And, and it was totally innocuous. It was just like, um, I needed to help a customer do a specific thing. This particular thing wasn't really documented. Um, everybody kind of had tribal knowledge around it, right? You know, I could go talk to Joe Beta about, you know, hey, do you remember this code that you wrote and how it worked? And he's like, oh yeah, you know, here's here's a document that sort of has some of that stuff that we we have in 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 GitHub, you know, oh, I can go talk to some other folks over here. How do you know how this thing, how it works, right? But there wasn't a place where we could go. And that and that thing is so, so small. And it is literally just this. And it's been represented my, on my site in some blog posts is, how do I set up a Kubernetes cluster on AWS? So, <laughs> right? So that the AWS cloud provider works. And it's it's such a small little thing, but like there was there was no good documentation around it. People didn't know how to tie in, you know, what the required IAM roles were or how the host name had to match the node name or little, I mean, all these just little things. And so I sat down with some other folks on my team and we just did it. And, you know, I wrote up a blog post and I shared it internally and we did something on the, the Heptio site um, as well. And, you know, and then, and now I'm, I'm in the Kubernetes Slack and I see people asking, Hey, my, you know, cluster on AWS, is it working? And they're like, Oh, here, go read Scott's post. And, and, you know, it was such a, a tiny little thing. Like, I didn't even think about it. I was just like, oh, this is, you know, this thing. We just need to, we need to document this real quick. But it's an example of like being a little more deliberate in solving a problem rather than trying to tackle this big, big thing that may be beyond your grasp, at least in the short term. Yeah, I, I think that's a great example. And it, it, while you were talking about that, it, it made me think, yeah, it all goes back to paying attention, right? Um, a lot of times we just go through our days and it's a habit and we do, we get the coffee at 9 a.m. We, we do the email from 9 to 9.30. We do the next thing and the next thing uh, without really being deliberate or thinking about why we're doing something. Uh, and I know I'm talking to a crowd of engineers, so I know you all are thinking why all the time, but this is perhaps in a different perspective. There are other opportunities that may just be, you know, a red flashing light that you're just ignoring because uh, you're so focused on everything else, right? Or, or this one other thing. Um, you know, if I look at teams, if I have a coworker leave, well, what did that coworker do? I mean, what was their role? And is there an opportunity for me to expand? Uh, you know, so sad my coworker left, but what's in it for me, quite frankly? Um, <laughs> what, what can I do that, to turn this sad event into an opportunity? Uh, I, you know, if you have a leader leave, what did that leader bring to the table that maybe you can take on some of those, um, those characteristics or, or, you know, it, it doesn't have to be all technical either. It, it could be, how do I galvanize the team? How do I work on my optimism? How do I, you know, there, there are tons of things out there that I think are just, they're all opportunities. Um, and, and we are so, at least I myself became so um, bogged down with the, just the negativity sometimes or, or the pessimism where I forgot to look at, hey, wait, what's the opportunity here? Because within, within anything that you're complaining about or mad about or upset about, um, there, there probably is an opportunity for improvement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So true. Absolutely. And so really, you know, what we're talking about here is, is you know, when, when we talk about paying attention, we're talking about noticing the things that, you know, maybe you just have dismissed, right? Like, mm -hmm. why is your, is your process set up a certain way, you know? I had an interesting discussion. I was in Tokyo back in November and I had an interesting discussion with some folks there local to the Japanese market. And they were telling me about this company 
where they had a, a process that ran and, and it was a batch job. And then sometimes later, somebody else had to kick off another batch job. And nobody had bothered to ask like why somebody was staying until eight o'clock every night to manually kick off this second batch job. Right. <laughs> and, um, and, and Japanese culture being sort of what it is, you know, nobody was going to complain about that. You know, it was, you know, it's an honor to stay in and do what the company needs to, you know, to do. Right. But once they look at it, they were like, well, this first job only runs 15 minutes and it ends at 515. And then we're having somebody wait until eight o'clock to run this other job. And they just, they never stopped to ask like, why is that process that way? And so by paying attention to, to your point, Lauren, right. You know, you can be, you can be sort of establishing leadership, you know, uh, sort of demonstrating leadership uh, qualities and, and bringing value to your team and to your organization by saying, you know, well, why is this process this way? You know, why um, do we have to click through three times to do something? You know, is there a reason that this process works the way it is? Or is there a reason we haven't documented this? Or is there a reason, you know, for X, Y, or Z? I mean, there's any number of things, any number of examples here, right? Um, and that's an example of, you know, sort of finding that gap where you can step in and make a difference, not only in your own career, right? But make a difference in the effectiveness of your team or of your business unit or your entire organization. Yeah, I think that was beautifully put. And I think it is something that we have to practice. I don't think it comes naturally to all of us. Um, so, you know, it goes into strategy. It goes into figuring out how to be a visionary and, and strategize better and, you know, start small, start as early as you can. Uh, because I think you can develop it uh, really well. And, and here's a reason for all of you, you know, company veterans, right, who have been wherever, wherever you work for, you know, a while, right? And that new person comes in. Here's a reason for why you should go befriend that new person <laughs> and, and bring them in. And Lauren, you're laughing because you probably know exactly what I'm going to say. Um, but, but their perspective, they don't know what should be ignored, Right. All the things that you're ignoring, like the flashing light on that server that's been blinking for six months, they don't know you're supposed to ignore that. And their, their perspective is so fresh and so new that a lot of times you, you can learn something from that and you can find ways just from their newness, right? Uh, you can find ways to help your company improve. I had a manager and someone who I would consider a leader, two different people tell me that at two different points in my career. First time I didn't get it. The second time um, I understood more. And, uh, and it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I love that. And, and going back through my career now, I know why I was able to fix something in the first week, you know, because everyone else is probably just ignoring it. Made me feel good, but, but it's, uh, it probably wasn't just that I was amazing. It was that I was paying attention to things that I didn't know to ignore. So I love that way of, of thinking about it. I don't know. I think there's probably some level of amazing there too. So, you know, <laughs> thank you. Of course, of course. <laughs> All right. So we are, we are nearing our, our, um, our time. I've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation, Lauren. Thank you so much for being on the show. I wonder, are there any sort of closing thoughts that you would um, like to share with listeners before we wrap up? Uh, yeah, sure. So, you know, there there are a slew of books and websites that you can all go through. Uh, I mentioned Blue Ocean Strategy, Drive, if you're interested in how to motivate people. Those are all well-known uh, books. But what I want to encourage people to do is while you're reading these books or, or watching webinars or, or doing whatever you're doing to continue your skill set, um, 
look at it in the lens of what you're doing now. This is kind of a practice that I've started. If there's a project that I'm really just into, when I'm reading that book, I look at it through that lens, the lens of that project, so that I can get literal, you know, ideas to activate on, so that I can inspire myself to get ideas to activate on. Um, And then I keep a little notepad to, you know, write down the ideas or or in my phone or whatever, um, so that I can bring that back to the team, bring it back to work. Um, And I think that's kind of changed my mindset of how I go through these books too, especially when they're like, I mean, Blue Oceans took me a while to get through. It was a heavy business book. Um, So it it kind of makes it easier to read those types of things when when you're trying to become more strategic or when you're trying to um, get into a world that you're not totally comfortable with yet. Yeah, that's a great point. I love the idea of capturing little things that um, inspire you, right? Uh, Things that will drive you to try something new or or try something differently within your team or your organization or just your own career, just, you know, your own job, what you're doing. Right. Um, so that's a, that's an awesome, awesome tip. Thank you. Uh, Lauren, thank you again so much for being on the show. Um, before we wrap up, why don't you just remind listeners where they can find you online and um, feel free to, you know, plug the podcast again. That's cool. Sure. It's uh, at Malhoit, M-A-L-H-O-I-T. Um, and the podcast is Tech Village Uh, I think it's at Tech Village Pod is the Twitter handle. But thank you so much, Scott. This was an excellent conversation. I really enjoyed it. And the enjoyment is is all mine. I thoroughly uh, just loved the conversation, loved the back and forth. Uh, Listeners, thanks so much for uh, joining Lauren and I today. I hope that our conversation has um, inspired you um, to try something new and to try something different in your own career and maybe to think outside the box. I'm sorry for the cliche, but it is applicable here, I think. And um, uh, as always, if you have any feedback uh, on the show, always happy to hear it. You can reach out directly to me, Scott Lowe, your host on Twitter is at Scott underscore Lowe, or you can reach out to the podcast's uh, Twitter handle at FSJ podcast. Um, and my email address is on my site. If you wanted to reach out to me directly, you're more than welcome to do so. I uh, would love to hear from you. Um, again, my goal with the podcast is just to help listeners on this ongoing journey as an IT professional of learning and growth and evolution. And uh, I thank you once again for joining us. Have a great day, evening, morning, everyone.